the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You're listening to the best of Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black and Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Black talking all things financial money, investing in more. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. One of the things that I like to do is is pay attention to trends. And believe it or not, not blow them off. Even when they look a little bit ludicrous. Even when they don't make sense to me. I get in, I check it out. I'll talk a little bit more about Bitcoin because clearly that's something that people want to talk more about. We'll talk about Generation X. I did that for many, many years. Now, Generation X, not as important, which is interesting to note. Uh, we talk about the trend of faster, cheaper, smaller technology, no doubts. Uh, one of the ones that hit me pretty interestingly is younger people. And it's always because I remember being young and wanting things and almost having this, for lack of a better word, demand, need for it. The gratification is probably the right way of saying that, right? So every now and then you hear about a Generation Z, you'll hear about millennials. I'm about to drop one on you that I want you to start paying attention to. It's a little bit too early, but here's the buzzword. Generation Alpha came across this and I was like, okay, let's talk about this. Let's think about this. Will this be an investment theme? Let's again, the millennials, let me give you an example of the theme that I'm, I'm getting at with millennials first and foremost. Um, visited a friend who was a millennial. Uh, she was going through a breakup and as we were talking, I was like, Hey, I'm gonna go to your fridge, grab a soda or something. And I opened her fridge and all there was in it was books Oh, no, not books. <laughs> that would have been interesting. Alcohol. And I was like, whoa. 
Uh, I looked at her cupboards, and all there was was rice. I'm like, what's up with you, strange lady? And she goes, I, I like my fresh, my food fresh. So every meal she would eat essentially was fresh food. So that opened the door for things like organic grocery stores, like Sprouts, Whole Foods. She wanted fresh food. She's the same one that wanted orange juice never, ever, ever from a carton. Had to be fresh squeezed at the restaurant. She's the same one that um, when it came time to getting rid of books, she wanted to get rid of all of her books. She wanted no cables. She wanted no wires. She wanted no books. She wanted nothing to store. It was a very powerful, poignant just image with me. Um, my generation, we didn't want to work for other people. We wanted to be entrepreneurs. We didn't want to, you know, maybe we didn't mind if things were made in Japan or made in Indonesia or made in Thailand and then eventually made in China because it represented toys to us, which is the the way the chain went at one point in time. When I was six years old, my favorite toy was made in Japan. Then it became made in Indonesia. And by the time I was 18, everything was being made in China. So we consumed from foreign countries and we didn't think twice about it. All generations are a little bit different. For the record, I'm Generation X. And for instance, when I got into the financial world, I wanted to do financial media that was honest and kind of debunked some of the conventional wisdom. So Generation Alpha fascinates me. Right now, I just saw my first survey that is talking about part of the future. Generation Alpha favors basketball, football, and soccer, while interest in baseball remains low. The number one participation sport and second in fandom in general in the United States is now soccer. The participation side doesn't really offend anyone. We kind of expect that. Moms grow up watching their husbands uh, watch football on Saturdays and Sundays, and they see too many concussions. They're like, I don't want my kids to play football. I get that one. And the American soccer is preferred because there's just quite as much, much as career-ending spine injuries in soccer as there is in professional football. So Generation Alpha is those who are born after 2013. Whoa. I just put it in terms for you, right? Generation Z is anyone born between ages 13 and 23. Uh, anyone ages 13 to 23. So somewhere in between Alpha and Generation Z, like, whoa. And if you think about it, my kids who are mostly kind of sort of Generation Z, uh, I spend on whatever they need. If they need new jeans, we go to, at one point in time, it was the low end. Then we went to the mid end. And down the road, as they turn into teenagers, they're going to say, I, I don't want the low end. I want Nikes. I don't want the low end. I want Lululemon. I don't want, and it's going to be, what fights do you let them win? What fights do you let them lose? But they're spending money right now, like like pirates. <laughs> they're enjoying life to the, the largest. So Generation Z, ages 13 to 23, they're the group you could invest with now. Not as a financial advisor, but they're the group you could look at their spending habits and say, that's going to that's gonna play out. Generation Alpha, it's going to take a little bit longer. 
but start paying attention anytime you hear the phrase. So I'll add the phrase Generation Alpha to my Google Word search. And if there's any business stories that crop up that are relevant, I start researching then. It makes sense. Soccer's been dubbed the sport of the future in the United States for a while. It's starting to manifest itself. The firm that did the research spoke with 2,000 parents and focused on youth no older than eight. For context, um, Apple's first iPad came out in 2010. So again, we're starting to define generations as, oh, they didn't have cell phones. Oh, they didn't have iPads. Back when I was born, we had to use really small phones that communicated all around the world. You can already see the jerk dad, right? We only had a five-inch phone. We didn't have a 14-inch iPad. 73% of parents are encouraging their kids to play sports. 65% encourage them to be sports fans. You can see a lot of research kind of, you're like, yeah, yada, 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 and you skip right by it. But you're seeing more interest among young adults in soccer internationally and to a certain extent the MLS. That's pretty good. I don't have the kind of money to buy an MLS franchise, but I'll take a look at who the sponsors are. Because the sponsors are who the Generation Alpha is going to be staring at when they're watching the games. And it could be the Sony PlayStation 5 is the obvious. Um, but you get the idea. If there's a brand like a Lululemon, I'll go, okay. These guys have enough money to reach the customers that they want. I wouldn't say that it's a no-brainer, but I would say that I think you'd be wise to start looking for it. The NFL has always done like lots of little experiments, and they seem to be doing well with Generation Alpha. Parents were shown a one-minute clip of highlights to give them the sense of a broadcast on the NFL. So the NFL did a, a Nickelodeon version of a, a football game just to see if the kids would like want to see Drew Brees get slimed in green goo. And the answer was pretty much so, yeah. It was soccer, football, and then it came to baseball, and there was no interest. You can't get the kids to watch it. So eSports is something we're going to be talking about in the future. As a lot of millennials and Generation Alpha say to themselves, I don't really have the ability to play sports physically, but I can do things with my fingers that can earn me millions of dollars. And it's again, I'm not thinking your kid's going to be that millionaire from eSports. I'm thinking your kid's going to watch that millionaire in eSports. So I want to pay attention to those sponsors too. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me at line at robblackshow.com. Portions of our programming are brought to you by our good friends at Provident Credit Union with 21 Bay Area locations to serve you and your banking needs. Now, back to Rob Black and your money with your host, Rob Black, on the Bay Area's business leader, AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome in, I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. One of the things I want to do in the future is go back to the past. 
I started doing financial media back mid-1990s. It was right during the tech boom. It was a good time to have me on because I knew a lot about technology. You would say it was probably my forte at that point in time. My research centered heavily around it. Personally, I think that does you well to go back in time. I used to do on a micro level of on Saturdays, I would reread five days of the Wall Street Journal. And I used to get the Wall Street Journal delivered to my office. And first things first, you know, you'd go through it and you'd, I would black marker anything that looked interesting. And then on Saturdays, I would go back and say, did that turn into anything? Or was that just a fluffy PR piece? And probably early on in my career, I learned that PR news is some of the most dangerous news for investing. That's why I wanted to find articles written by journalists who had a business background and not necessarily journalists who were 22 years old, out of college, trying to move away from mom and dad and really didn't know about the story they were covering. They were just trying to turn in 250 words, their editor. Later in life, these same 22-year-olds now are writing articles about clickbait. PR news is some of the scariest news out there. Um, let me give you an example. In the year of 2020, during the COVID, the COVID as I'm referring to it now, it's turned into this weird pronoun or noun kind of thing. I did a story for television on Prince Harry and Princess Meghan and how they were moving to Santa Barbara and how real estate in Santa Barbara is probably going to go up because more celebrities will want to be in that town. If it's good enough for Prince Harry and a princess, it's good enough for me, right? And then you start getting into some of the millennials who buy into the royal crap. <laughs> for lack of a better word, I don't get it. Kind of a, this is a phrase that could get me in trouble, but I'm telling you that, so it's not as controversial as I'm making it out to be. But they're not inbred, but royalty is thing of the past, and it's a thing of the past for a reason, except for, yeah, they do great charitable work, but they're doing it at the taxpayer's dollars. That's weird to me. We should have such a royal family in the United States, and it should be known as the Blacks of California. My last name's Black. I'm not doing a Black Lives Matter thing either way. But my biggest story of last year was talking about how Prince Harry and Princess Meghan are moving to Santa Barbara. I got 50,000 hits on that thing. That's too much. My typical is probably 2,000. If it's a good one, like Elon Musk's stock goes up 100 million percent. Nothing compared to talking about the Royals. I'm throwing that out there for you just again to say I was loosely tying that to Santa Barbara real estate. And Santa Barbara is, I think, one of the greatest cities in California. And some of the beach communities that surround it, especially northern of Santa Barbara, near the San Luis Obispo area, I think are really delightful and quite quite lovely. Um but not the density of people that I would say that's going to be a great real estate investment in my lifetime. My lifetime is age 20 to 60. Realistically, in real estate, my lifetime is 30 to 50 as an investor. 
And then from age 50 to 100, I kind of want to start unwinding some of these lifetime investments. So the number one story I did was on these two, for the record, I've got family that stayed up in the, to the middle of the night to watch them get married. Deep into the middle of the night and like, oh, she's a princess. Not my thing to live vicariously through others. But I get it. So the thing that you're going to have that I want you to just be aware of is be fearful of PR's huge influence on you. In my first segment, I talked about Generation Alpha and how the MLS is growing in popularity. Really, the Premier League and the, the Spanish Leagues. A little German as well. I'm not going to take away from the Germans here. The French, not so much. Italy, eh, they don't have anything going on on a professional soccer league level that has drawn enough interest in the United States outside of expatriates. In my opinion, yeah, you got Ronaldo playing, greatest player in the world, but it's not enough to really move the needle in the United States. So I'm talking a little bit about trends, and I'm talking about PR news. One of the PR news for years and years and years turned into a trend. And that's electric vehicles. One analyst is saying he believes electric vehicles in the year 2021 could rise 50% as a group from this point on. Now, he's not just talking Tesla, which is the interesting thing. So he's talking about the whole industry. is It's finally woken up, and it's more real. There's more deliveries. Every week you can open the internet news and see a flashing new electric vehicle design, whether it be a truck a sedan, a really fast one, or one that goes really far distance. Every week you see the news now. So Daniel Ives published a research report talking about electric vehicles that could climb another 50% this year. Now, I'm not looking from the, ooh, let's go out and make 50% angle. I'm thinking more, there's four phases in a stock's life. Typically a hyper-growth phase where the company's growing revenues and they don't really care about earnings. Then you have that cash flow and you're, you're putting it back into your business, have that from hyper growth revenue, hyper growth revenue, you put it back into your business, you're putting it back in your business and you hit that growth and you suddenly have earnings. So in a PE in evaluation metric, not a PR fluff piece, you're no longer talking about one day we're going to earn money. Now you're earning money. So there's hyper growth, no earnings needed growth. You need some earnings. Then the company gets a little bit older, and suddenly there's not a lot to innovate onto, and it becomes a growth and income stock. A good example of that for me, let's think about that for a second. I'm going to come back to that one, because I kind of want to finish this idea. So a company becomes more growth and income-oriented. So at that point in time, they're probably growing 8%, plus they're kicking off 2 to 3% in dividend yields. That's pretty good. That's not bad. There's no shame in that. I'd say maybe a, a visa is a little bit of a growth. In, eh, I don't I don't really want to put that into your head. I want you to stay pure with this. Thought. There's hyper growth revenues, earnings don't matter. Then there's growth where it's all about, let's see how much money is this company going to make millions or billions. Then there's going to be growth and in income where they're not going to grow as fast as they used to. And you're going to be a little bit disappointed, but you need a little bit more income. And then there's finally the state of income. Like think about utilities where they're paying a little bit higher dividend yield, 3 4 
to keep you interested because it's not growing. That's the four stages of a company. Be careful at the PR phase of companies. I'm Rob Blackhawk from Financial. Norman Lawrence, there's no Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. I you were crazy. So, I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. And on the 6 o'clock show, new focus on wealth with Rob Black. It's a compliment show to the CFP Chad Burton show, Focus on Wealth. I'm going to try to give you more principles and, and guidelines on what to look for to see winners. I've already talked about Generation Alpha and how we're starting to get some reports about their sports that they like and don't like. Kids who are basically eight years old or younger. Now, that sounds ridiculous because you're like, they don't even have a cyber wallet yet. You're right. But they're going to grow up in a generation of only having cyber wallets. So I'm going to start thinking about how they're going to spend sooner than later. And I'm going to start throwing investment ideas into that 10, 20, 30, 40-year time frame. Now, again, I don't have that time frame left because I'm a Generation Xer. And I'm in the latter stages of growth investing. Not totally true. And you you have to be open-minded to changes. But I want it to have enough money before I hit 60 to live till the day I die. I think I have enough money to live till the day I die. And at this point in time, it's more like gravy. And you can get to a point, in my opinion, where there's too much gravy. I know you're saying there's never too much gravy. But I'm watching Generation Alpha. And that led to the second segment today where I talked about electric vehicles, where one analyst said, this is a trend that they can grow at 50% this year. Now, again, I'm not trying to titillate you with the, ooh, come over here, get a 50% return. The stock market only gives 8% returns. Ooh, come over here. What I'm trying to say is this used to be a PR thing, and a lot of people still believe electric vehicles are press releases. Like, look at that that truck. I've never seen one on the road, but it, one day they say 18-wheelers are going to be electric and get this. They're not going to have drivers, which is one of the scariest things in the world to me. If you've ever seen an 18-wheeler jackknife and it's coming towards you, it will put a stain in your clothes. Let's just put it that way. So I'm looking for trends, but I'm trying to filter out press releases so that I'm not in the trend too early. And when Tesla had one year of making profits, it became more legit. And again, MC Hammer, too legit, too legit to quit. Very, very, how shall we say, um, catchy. So when Musk got the electric vehicle to one year of, of profitability at Tesla, when a couple years before, I'm like, it's just a press release. They'll never earn money. They're burning money. Oh, they earn money? I became much more interested. Same thing with Bitcoin. At this point in time, it's much more press release than real world. There's a lot to the blockchain technology, which is much more real world, but that's a little bit tougher to invest in. Yes, I do think Bitcoin is around for the long term. No, I do not think it's investable for most people who are listening. Investable. Speculative? Yes. Investable? 
uh, there's not enough proof there yet. When you're out with your buddy and they're willing to part with Bitcoin over a football ticket. I know you're saying, go out with buddy. What is this concept you talk about? Leave your home and go to a football game? Square up the night at the end of it so you're not a mooch? When you're doing that transaction in Bitcoin, it'll be too late. But those are the things that you're looking for. In my opinion, consultant broker advisor for predictive action on any stocks ever mentioned. But I talked about the importance of, of passing over press releases. So I think Elon Musk opened the door, in my opinion, for all electric vehicle makers now. If they could show a path to profitability, it suddenly becomes a whole sector you could invest in, right? So Daniel Ives wrote a research report, not a press release. These are boring to read. These are inane. There's no twist. There's no, she was the killer all the time and she got away with it. There's no smoking gun. Daniel Ives has made me more money as a thinker than he has as a stock picker. He's good. He was early on to the last eight years of Apple's massive run. He was around. He was bullish. He stuck with the story. The story changed. So I'm always going to pay attention to him. He's a good thinker in my mind. Not a good press releaser. Not a good stock picker. I don't know him. He doesn't know me. He doesn't know my risk level. So if he says that he thinks Tesla's going to go up $52 from this point and now is the time to buy, I'm not going to jump. But I'd like the way he thinks. And getting inside that investor think set is a big part of winning. He said that he expects the electric vehicle industry to grow to a $5 trillion market over the next decade. So now in my spreadsheet, I can put 2020, 2021, 2022, 2022, three, and I can put 10 years and put at the end of it, $5 trillion. And then you can start saying, okay, who's going to get the bulk of that lion's share? Tesla's got first mover advantage. That's not something to, to goof off at. So he uses the terms in his research report. He believes it's a renaissance of growth for automakers. You're going to see a re-rating at companies like General Motors and Ford. It's not just electric vehicle makers that analysts are bullish on. He has pointed out six electric vehicle battery specialists with significant potential upside. I know you're saying, tell me about those, tell me about those, tell me about because you're greedy. I'll get there. He thinks Tesla is apart from other electric vehicle makers as now they've also gotten into cryptocurrency which is speculative, but it's also a path to growth, potentially, when the electric vehicle side starts to slow down, which it's not going to for the next 10 years. So if I was 20 years old, and I'm not, I might say, I get these electric vehicle things. I can see the trend there. All my friends are going to have them. Or... Then you get into like, what if we, what if cars go away? Oh man, you just messed up a good segment, Rob, right? Um, but when I was 20, I looked at computers and I go, oh, turning this thing on, it sounds like a nuclear reactor getting activated. It hummed. The screen was monochrome, it was orange digits. It was awful. When you would make a video game, 
back when I was 20 years old, a lot of the times it was, well, back when I was 10, it was like bright orange and dark orange. And those were your two colors you could work with or black. It wasn't good. And I saw there's a future here because I'm kind of interested in video games and this has to get better. And that getting better is a cost of investment. And let's say I made a lot of money from investing in trends when I was in my 20s. In my 20s, I remember reading research reports about baby boomers. They're so old. One's retiring every 10 seconds. Like That's the type of research that made me a lot of money because I put together people retiring with pharmaceuticals. So when Merck's Viagra came out, I was like, okay, people over 60 want to have a love life. I get it. I'm not going to get too graphic here. They get to their doctor, and the doctor's like, hey, how are things? And they're like, well, love life could be a little more interesting. The doctor asks a lot of questions. Make sure that there are potential candidates. And says, here's a prescription for that little blue pill. Merck's Viagra. Or is it Pfizer's Viagra, right? Which one puts hair on your head, and which one does the erectile dysfunction thing? Well, the point being is there's only four major pharmaceutical companies. And they're solving things like putting hair on our head and diabetes and uh, well, they're not solving diabetes, but they're working on ways to make your life with diabetes better. And as a nation, we're not as much into exercise, but future generations are. But older generations are finding as you get older, you lose your ability to to bounce back. So anyway, there's trends to be seen, and there's a lot of money to be made. If I was 20 years old today, I'd be all about electric vehicles. Maybe, maybe I'd be intrigued by Bitcoin, but I'm also going to be speculative because I don't see the earnings path yet. In blockchain, I see it, but in Bitcoin in particular, I, I don't see, like I said, me and my buddy squaring up. Because I could see in 10 years from now, I'm going like, hey, Andrew, thanks for taking me to the Warriors game. How much did I owe you for tonight? Ah, you don't owe me anything. I'm like, let me just, let me send you 200 Bitcoin. And I can see I'm like, I don't really believe in Bitcoin. I'm a dollar guy. I like good old dollars. So uh, you get the idea, right? So it's a double-edged sword on what's going on with electric vehicles right now. It's a trend. There's some profitability. There's some old players like GM and Ford where we go, how are they going to come out of this? And the answer is a ton of investment. The good news for Tesla is that GM and Ford are late to the game. And Tesla's already been able to tinker with their hyper-growth users, their enthusiasts. And it's typically the, the enthusiast who pays the premium. But the truth be told, they're also the, the premium brand. They are the Coca-Cola. They're not, they're not the Rite Aid soda, but it's not quite the same as a cold Coke. <laughs> they're not the uh, signature select soda, which they assure me has the exact same ingredients and the exact same. No, there's something slightly different. Is it the branding? Maybe. Mm, I could taste the branding in that. But there's something very, very tangible about saying, I wish I can go back to my 20s. And what you could do as an investor right now, as I'm in my 50s, I can say, I want some exposure to what the 20-year-olds are investing in. But, and when I say investing, spending their dollars on. I could see a 25-year-old getting in a car with a 25-year-old and go, oh, you've got a gas combustion engine? Grody. I know you're saying they don't use the word grody anymore. Oh, my kid passed me. He's got more social 
activists, users, followers than I do. You know what his, his webpage is? He's a hamster. And he does videos as a hamster. He's got more followers than I do. And how long did it take him to, to catch me as a trend? One weekend versus 30 years. Dad, I'm a hamster. I'm Rob Black talking on Things Financial. Now, back to Rob Black and your money with your host, Rob Black, on the Bay Area's business leader, AM 1220 KDOW. When you in your life, I can do about 90% right, and then they mess up the last 10%. An email recently. Person under 30, no debt. 401k is doing quite nicely. Roth IRA, $45,000 in cash. I'm like, whoa, someone under 30? Let's do that again. No debt. And as soon as that, 401k is doing well. The Roth IRA is doing nicely. They're saving for retirement. They're not drunk. And go, oh, I'm going to spend all my money and worry about when I turn 60. Seems like a reasonable email, right? And then the next line is, I want to buy a Tesla Model 3. I'm not going to stop you. His parents tried to stop him. And now he's mad at his parents. Zero debt is awesome. Retirement-wise, on your way to retirement uh, through 401ks and through Roth IRAs is great. So you get an A+, plus, A+. Plus. Um, cash on hand is lovely. Um, continuing to invest more and more is great. Then he goes, "What? I, I don't know what to do with that $45,000 in cash. Do I buy a, a car straight up? Um, do I save for a down payment on a home? Ooh. That, to me, sounds more like the right answer versus a Tesla. Now, again, I'm not knocking anyone who has a Tesla. Growing up financially fit, doing this show, I always had an idea that life would be good in my 40s and 50s. In my 40s for traveling, my 50s for things like cars or second homes or what have you. That was my timeline. I didn't do it early. I still don't really drive nice cars. I have a Toyota Tacoma that has 70,000 miles on it. I plan to keep it till it has 200,000 plus. Um, it's a functional vehicle, and I kind of like being in it. So it's not functional like I'm not calling cement on the weekends, but I could. Um, so the question is, do you purchase a very expensive car? Do you continue to save that money for retirement? Or maybe a better question is saying, what city do you want to live in? Have you started looking at homes there? Um, I don't want a fancy car until I'm 50. That was always my thought. And once you get to 50, you're like, I don't even know I want it anymore. It's never improved one person's lifestyle in my life. Uh, a friend of mine, you know, tech player. I see a lot of people create a ton of wealth in my neighborhood. Some of them go out and get $250,000 sports cars. Some of them go out and never show you a thing. Maybe they buy a little bit of real estate with a big windfall. Very, very different. So for the emailer, I would say really a bigger question is, can you put off the car? Because I know you want a house down the road. You kind of wrote to me and said that. 
Um, even though you're doing great with everything else, don't get into that behavioral, psychological mistake that we make. Uh, there won't be bad days to come. Um, the best part about being under 30, and I, I, I highlighted the email was from a person under 30, is you don't really need a Tesla. If you go out with your friends, you don't have to have the nicest car. Um, is it awesome? Yeah. But your friends don't care. And they they probably have debt. They probably don't have a 401k. They probably don't have a Roth IRA. They probably don't have emergency money. And a big old cash of, uh, a pile of cash looking for something to do. Don't do the Model 3 Tesla, in my opinion. Um, just throwing it out there. Throwing it out there. So if you want to drop me an email, you can drop me an email, rob at robblackshow.com. It's rob at robblackshow.com. Um, it was also interesting in the email. He went out of his way to refer to his parents as financial conservatives. Um, financial conservatives shouldn't be a dirty word. When you look around and 2020 had a pandemic, it had Portland. I don't even know. My brain can only handle so much as far as financial information goes. Um, I asked my producer at one point last year, I'm like, what's going on in Portland? I keep hearing about riots for 100 days in a row. I don't know if we're at 200 days. I don't know where we stand at that. Um, but when you see the world kind of burning, keep in mind it's not. We've, we've gone through these scenarios multiple times. Pandemic's a new one. And uh, reading some of the notes out of the previous administration's White House, uh, one of the briefings was like, this pandemic, and this was back in March, April, is going to be the biggest event that the president has to deal with. Um, and to get reelected, if he had possibly pulled it off and the pandemic didn't spread like germ spread, um, the economy probably would have been in better shape. And I believe most Americans vote with their economic checkbook. Um, you know, statistics say people don't even vote if they're doing well financially. Um, keep the same administration in, keep the same platform in, but people become very politically charged and opinionated, and they change votes, and they come out to vote when the economy is in distress. So, um, interesting to note. So, with all that out there, I love that you know, people are still saving money. So, and being fiscally conservative, I don't think is a bad thing. I would rather have not had a large gain than to run out of money in retirement. And it's again, would you rather? Which is the most annoying game you can play with your children? Would you rather be fall into a vat of razor blades or eaten by a shark? Like eaten by a shark, razor blades, ugh, paper cuts, no. Anyhow, anyway, I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. Thanks for listening.
General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.